And welcome to That Horrorcast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dmitry Samarov. On today's episode, we're going to actually be doing a double feature where we discuss The Blood Splattered Bride and Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, mainly because we recorded an episode of Let Sleeping Corpses Lie 48 hours ago, and a storm came and knocked out the recording, and it is now lost to time. Anyhow, here we go. We are joined by Scout. <laughs> Hello. Good to good to kind of sort of be back. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself while we continue laughing in the background? <laughs> uh, We're laughing yes. with with you, not at you. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Scout. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's totally fine. Um I am a film critic and film director and author, and occasionally I do other stuff. Um, but uh, I have a book out right now. Um, uh, Mallory and I are about to share the same publisher with an X Books, um, run by the great John Nix. And uh, my book is But God Made Him a Poet, Watching John Ford in the 21st Century. Um, and everybody's been very nice about it so far, which is cool. Um, it was. Uh, I kind of wanted to treat it more like a like a like a book of poetry than like a work of active criticism, because there's already been so much written about things like the Searchers and how green is my valley, and so to kind of alleviate the burden of coming up with something wholly new to say, I just treated it more like, you know, more more like more like poetry and less like uh, straight up historical you know documentation. But you can't help but learn a lot about Ford when you start studying him. Uh, Joseph McBride's exhaustive. 2000 book searching for John Ford was a huge, uh, uh, resource for me. And, uh, the more you learn about him, the stranger he becomes. <laughs> and it was just a never ceasing wonder to continue to delve into his uh, body of work because the movies are incredible and his life is an inscrutable mess. And so making sense of it was a lot of fun. Speaking of this being a horror podcast, I want to know, what did you think of David Lynch playing him in uh, The Fablemans? I loved it. I, I, I cried all the way through that movie. <laughs> um, I had such a great time at The Fablemans, and then to end on that note, I was like, yes, yes. Um, I, thought he, I thought he captured something about Ford. You know, there's obviously too much to Ford to capture in 10 minutes of screen time, and I'm saying 10, it's not even 10, it's probably 3, but... Uh, I just, I laughed and I cried. It was so good. <laughs> My friend told me he was in it and I waited the entire time and I was like, at the end? What the fuck? Yep. It's his, uh, you know, it's like the anti-Rosebud. Basically. Dimitri has strong feelings about Steven Spielberg movies. Most people do. Yeah. His are not pro. <laughs> <laughs> Ready Player One was pretty good. Interesting, yeah. interesting choice. Is it because, like, it kind of tells the story of where we're going right now? Ready Player One does? Yeah, you know, a little bit with the weird VR and AI and everything coming to place. I mean, the Apple, I don't know what they're calling it, their VR thing looks identical to the Ready Player One goggles or whatever. Oh, I, I, th I, I got confused for a second. I thought you, you meant that... Uh... <laughs> that blood spattered bride was about that. I was like, what? 
It's like, what? I, I guess I watched a different movie. <laughs> Ready Player One tells the story of this podcast. No, no, no. Ready Player One is like a mindless video game. Like, that's about the level that Spielberg should ever be allowed to function at because he can't, because <laughs> he's not a human. How dare you? That's so mean. <laughs> no, I, I thought that was a totally enjoyable movie. And, like, there wasn't much to think about, really. And it's all surfaces and technology. And that's, that's, that's his lane for me, where, where he's bearable. Once he gets into, like, human feelings and actual events, like, he goes way off the fucking course very quickly. It's a disaster. Clearly, well, Steven Spielberg will never be on this podcast. He might sponsor it. Along, who, who, what sponsors did we have for a lost episode? We had some amazing sponsors I'd lined up, but I forget who they were now. Yeah, I, I kind of like blanked entirely on that episode. I'm repressing that memory. We had force majeure happening. We had, we had like... <laughs> I, th- I think we just spoke so much fucking truth and with such blinding insight that, you know, the, for- the forces that be had to destroy it and not let us share it with the world. That's how I feel. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if anybody needs a, a second Spielberg opinion, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash zombie. I'm in the middle of a Steven Spielberg video essay series just about the uh, blocking and uh, camera work. I'm into that. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, so between between this and Rob Zombie, I feel like I found Dimitri's uh, soft targets. This is good. Oh, no, there's lots of others. We can't. We oh, can yeah. Against <laughs> Forrest Gump, Back to the Future. Yep. Clint Eastwood starting with Million Dollar Baby, more or less. Uh, <laughs> that was the end. That was <laughs> it's pretty much over with that one for me. Uh, yeah. Zemeckis, everything except used cars. I agree with you on that no. one. Uh, horrible. Uh, oh, this it, it's endless. <laughs> uh, yeah, Coen Brothers, the last 15, 20 years, uh, not necessary. Uh, Tarantino, except for Pulp Fiction. Uh, <laughs> we can go on and on and on. <laughs> Dimitri has a longer list of movies he dislikes than likes. Well, because I watched too many fucking movies. As like we all do, but like then yeah, you you accumulate. Well, Mallory or, or and or Scout, do you find you you like more movies than you dislike? Like, do you have like a rough batting average? Or I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I've really considered it that much. I don't like overly sentimental movies. That, so what's what's what like? What's an example of that? Okay, let's see. Blood Spattered Bride? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really want to almost, like, look it up because Belent has a shared notes thing of, like, movies we have to watch. (laughs) And, you know, I just kind of keep accidentally deleting it. (laughs) And he, because he's the the softie in in your relationship, Quinn. (laughs) Yeah, basically. He's he's the, the one with all the feelings and gushy stuff. He wants to watch uh, Ed Eternity's Gate, uh, Dances with Wolves, stuff like that. Cider House Rules. Okay, all right, well, that makes sense. Um, I was going to say, Ed Eternity's Gate doesn't have much in common with many other movies. No. Um, it's uh, it's kind of kind of out there, but uh, yeah, Cider House Rules and Dances with Wolves make perfect sense as a double feature that you would watch before, you know, jumping out a seven-story window. Um <laughs> 
but uh yeah he just yeah. says a lot of stuff like before sunrise i guess there's like a trilogy with that with ethan hawk there is and they're all good yeah at eternity's gate is the it's the van gogh movie yeah it's not bad yeah, i don't know it's got it doesn't have much to do with those other ones you listed so maybe he stepped out of the the feelings lane or whatever who knows That's, yeah i like that at eternity's gate yeah, it was it was something, you know. It was Julian Schnabel doing his thing. I don't think I think he's aware that he's never going to top Diving Bell and the Butterfly. So, I think he's like trying to find other ways to express himself, and they don't always work. But uh, whatever keeps him away from canvases and paints, <laughs> that's what I'm for. It's incredible, like how much better a filmmaker he is than he is a, an artist. <laughs> he's such a horrible artist, and yet he's allowed to. Like they let him put in stuff into museums. It's insane. <laughs> he's so horrible. It's but he's art, such a good filmmaker. <laughs> the, art, the art world is a lot like Hollywood. They never lose your number. Um, if you bring people into galleries or movie theaters, you can just keep doing whatever you want. Yeah. For some of us, some of us, they never found our number. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. They might. <laughs> Dimitri, do you want me to, like, write your number on bathroom stalls? Sure, yeah. You can put it next to the QR code for your books. Like, you, I know you... Exactly. Like, <laughs> for, for a good for, time, for call a good Dimitri. Time. No, for a really bad time. To, to <laughs> <laughs> for a terrible time, call Dimitri. Right. Oh, so uh, where, where were you still in uh, Scout's uh, oh, resume? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. no, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I guess I can... I I don't know, I, you want to I, set us up on this movie? Uh, here you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking about a movie. <laughs> we forget that sometimes. Yeah. So we were we were initially going to talk about Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, the great uh, Spanish zombie film from 1974. So the color answer to the wonderful black and white uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, and, then, uh, and then a storm took out the recording. So... We decided to stay in the Spanish horror uh, wheelhouse and talked about Vicente Aranda's The Blood Spattered Bride. Um, in the two days since the recording, I have fallen ill, and so now I sound like this. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. The gods hate that horror cast. Go on. Yeah, evidently. Um, <laughs> yeah, I blame you guys for how I feel right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Vicente Aranda's uh, a, a figure who became a much more prominent and internationally uh, revered figure than a movie like Blood Spattered Bride sort of would suggest because a lot of the people who were making horror movies during the reign of Generalissimo Francisco Franco, uh, they kind of stayed there even after he died. But uh, Aranda was somebody who immediately became an adapter of very popular Spanish novels. Um, And so he was able to exercise his feelings about living under fascism in a much more uh, clear-eyed way than a lot of his peers. So he became a figure sort of adjacent to Carlos Sora, um, who was another great Spanish filmmaker who kind of looked at uh, Spanish culture a little more head-on, whereas Aranda was uh, a little more perverse in his uh, uh, discussion of his feelings about fascism. But um, Blood's Better Bride is a one of many adaptations uh, made in Europe during the 60s and 70s of... Uh, Sheridan Le Fanu's uh, Carmilla story, um, which is the sort of foundational lesbian vampire text. And it's very, it's heavily allegorical. It's very surreal. It does not explain overmuch. 
Um, and it is extremely gory in a very fun way. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely less gory, I feel, than our last movie. Uh, yeah, for sure. But uh, uh, I think considering that uh, a lot of movies in this same vein were a lot more content to lean in on eroticism over gore, I liked how gross it got towards the end. I have to say, I haven't seen this movie. I have heard of it. It was fun, you know, for those first couple minutes, my fiancé to walk in on me asking, are you watching porn? (laughs) (laughs) Answer, yes, always. Oh, yeah, at one point I'm even like, okay, it's lesbian porn now, and he came, like, right back out. Like, what? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) My my favorite thing about this movie is that it, it... since if if we do manage to save this recording and share it with people, it's the second movie in a row, uh, second cautionary tale about getting uh, a chick getting married and how she shouldn't in a row. Because we did because we did Dream Demon last week last time, and that's set in England in the eighties and about how you shouldn't get married and two chicks bonding. So, so a lot of parallels. I was going to say, this kind of goes very heavily in theme with us. We do a lot of vampire movies and marriage horror stories. <laughs> That's, uh, they have a lot in common. Um, yeah, you switch, for, you switch from the zombies to the vampires, Scout. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's all, it's, you know, the, the umbrella of art under fascism is always going to be the thing that I gravitate towards. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, what's... What's what? Uh, how did you start on this like Spanish horror fascism kick? When did this begin? Um, it, I think it was probably with Let's Leaving Corpses Live because oh, I was okay. so sort of fascinated by that movie and just how atmospheric and and odd it was. And you know, like again, the you know, I, I talked at length the last time we were doing this about the fashions of the main characters. And I was like, I could stand to live in this world a little more. And the more that you watch it, the more you discover uh, a similarity of thesis between, uh, you know, a lot of 70s Spanish horror movies. And uh, I, I like I like looking for meaning in implication, especially in something like this, where it's, you know, got all these great bizarro symbolic gestures and objects and things like the scene where they where he. The, the, so the story broadly is that. Uh, a, a well-to-do old money aristocrat um, is marrying somebody outside of his class and he's bringing her back to his ancestral castle. And um, uh, she's she wonders where all the images of the women in his bloodline are because the, the castle is full of portraits of men. And so she asks where all the women went. And it turns out that once upon a time... Um, a, a female ancestor displeased her husband, and so in retaliation, he moved all the women, uh, the, the portraits of the of the women of the family into the, the dungeon, basically. And so she starts seeing images of one of these women all over the castle, and then they find her one day at the beach, and they bring her home, like kind of like a stray dog situation. Just and then buried in sand. Just she's buried in sand with one of my favorite bizarre images in this movie. Um, and the more the two hang out, the more she rejects her marriage uh, and indeed the influence of men in general. And the more the husband has to fight for his life. But yeah, I, I that, that sand snorkel image is like so wonderfully strange. 
I've never seen anything exactly like it in uh, in in horror movies. I don't think I've really seen anything like that in any movie. Yeah, it would have been really hard to set up. That yeah, to, right. to make sure the snow, the 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 tube was left out so she could keep breathing. You know, <laughs> so kudos kudos to that actress for going all in on, and on kudos the stunt. To the crew for making sure she didn't die. Exactly right. And yeah, how many times did they accidentally brush her tits like to make sure it was just right? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the first thing that he excavates. Oh no, we did we didn't get the shot that time. We gotta do it again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I feel like at first I was thinking that we were watching kind of like a sex exploitation film a little bit. I like that it ended up not really feeling like that somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's it's for all of its sort of gesturing towards the two of them consummating their marriage. It's yeah, it's a much uh, stranger film than that suggests. And certainly there were no shortage of, of more like, you know, eroticism forward lesbian vampire movies made during the early part of the 70s. I mean, Hammer had three of them and uh Spain and Italy, and I think there's. The uh, I was thinking of uh, what's it called? Daughters of Darkness was Daughters of Darkness by Harry Kumail, of that's course. A, that's a great movie. Yeah, Mallory, have you ever seen that? Yes, Daughters I of Darkness. Yeah, that's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, with Delphine Seyrig. Yeah, that's right. And then like uh, Jean Roland, of course, made dozens of these things: Shiver the Vampire and the New Vampire, and uh, and uh, Jesus Franco made Vampiros Lesbos and. It was just in the air back then. It was like the quickest way to thwart censors for whatever reason. Because this movie was censored by the Spanish at the time, as everything was that had to pass through Spanish censorship boards. But uh, eventually the full cut emerged. And even still, you know, for how forward it is about a lot of things, like there's a lot of full frontal nudity and stuff like that, which of course the Spanish weren't going to allow. Actually, funnily enough, Jorge Grau, who directed uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, I think he was the first Spanish director to get away with full frontal nudity in 1975. Um, it was after Franco died, and so the censors had their handful with other things, and so they couldn't fight it anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a movie that, that does kind of weirdly get by on implication for a very long time until it's very suddenly, like, explicit in both uh, nudity and, uh, and gore effects. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard some people describe it as a giallo film. Do you want to describe what that word even means to the people who we don't tell anything about in this <laughs> podcast? Wait, sure. wait, are, Mallory, are you, are you threatening to turn this into like a film criticism podcast? Oh, fuck. I know. <laughs> no, I no, like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> We've avoided it for two years. <laughs> uh, you should never have know-it-alls on. They'll turn, yeah. they'll turn it into a criticism podcast. I was say, we did Barbarian on my own with my friend Wilson, and Dimitri was like, whoa, you guys got really into that movie. And I was like, yeah, Dimitri's <laughs> the one who's not into the big analysis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Giallo came from a strain of uh, Italian pulp paperbacks um, that were published in uh, the decades leading up to them becoming movies. So it was, I think, the, they started publishing like... I want to say, I mean, it was definitely post-war, but I can't remember exactly the first date of the first publication. But because the, it was printed on cheap stock, the pages yellowed. Um, and so they called them giallo for that reason, because giallo is Italian for yellow. And there are stories of murder uh, and, uh, you know, sexual uh, deviancy 
And so when those kinds of stories started winding up in Italian cinemas, they called them giallos, even though only a few of them came from paperback sources. But uh, the most famous of them are probably the early Dario Argento movies, and they had great outrageous titles like The Bird with the Crystal Plumage or um, All the Colors of the Dark or Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. Um, (laughs) Just terrific, terrific stuff. Yeah, Very I think expensive. the only one we covered on the show was Suspiria, which is sort of, you know. That's a, I, was, I would call that a borderline case more than I yeah. call that as Jalo. It's more of a witchcraft movie. But yeah, uh, yeah this Blood Spider Bride kind of has things in common with the Jalo, but it's like too ambient. It's the plot doesn't make enough sense in its nonsensicalness, um, where it's this clue leads to that discovery, leads to this thing, and then you realize who the killer was and it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this one has outlandishness and the stylistic hallmarks of a lot of giallo but i think the fact that it comes from spain means that it has to rely on implication more than the concrete facts of you know a criminal investigation but uh certainly the way the characters are dressed um has a lot to do with you know your average mario bava movie from the early 70s something like five dolls for an august moon or uh, lisa and the devil which again is also not a true giallo but a very strange movie nevertheless Lisa, De- Lisa and the Devil is a fun movie. I like that one. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> one. Now you're just name dropping ones I don't know. Well, see, well, now you've got a cue. You've got you've got homework. I know, I do. <laughs> so much homework. Okay. Well, I, I have a plot point question for for I guess for Scout since he knows all this stuff. So early on, when they check into their they they get married and they go into that kind of modern hotel. Yeah. There, there's a there's a sexual assault scene yes. with a guy uh, with a pantyhose on his face. Do, is that basically supposed to be the husband? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, implied. It, I mean, it's probably a hallucination, maybe, but or whatever. Indeed, right? dream demon vibes from that. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. basically him, right? Yeah, that's that's how I, I read it. Okay, I think it's the same actor, certainly, yeah. and I think it's basically. A, a a foretelling of the fact that the marriage is not a good idea and, you know, them showing up in a modern place, she wants to, like, her brain is telling her she needs to get to, you know, the, the more ancient uh, uh, setting because she can be understood there and be protected by this other, you know, kind of evil spirit thing. Right, uh, she's... To get to get away from the creepy middle-aged man, she's married for some reason and f- go find... Exactly. The lady she's supposed to be with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, that was my interpretation of it is, 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 you know, a quick bout of extreme regret, but also her mind's trying to get her, uh, uh, more quickly in the presence of the Carmilla character. Yeah, it's interesting how, I mean, there's a bunch of nudity in this movie, but like all the sex scenes are behind closed doors. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there's like a week or whatever when they're like fucking all day and like not even letting the maid in, but uh, they don't show any of that. Interestingly enough, you just know? catch all the noises. Yeah. <laughs> or like when I yeah, don't know, the girl the that, that, or something who's walking yeah. beneath the window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The the best uh, 
uh, cut and cut literally or figuratively is like there's a picture uh, of her bush and then it's it's the gardener like tr trimming the hedges the next yeah. very subtle very subtle That's the, yeah that just made me laugh out loud it's like <laughs> all right are you going to show a train going into a tunnel next you know, like <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh you know, it's it's all it's all like both. It's like it's it's both absurd and like kind of sort of clever, but not really clever. Like because it's also obviously what it's supposed to be. But um, yeah, it's in 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 making it more about you know the kind of hangups of marriage. Uh, you can you can get away with criticizing you know the sort of the people who stood their ground during the rise of fascism. Um, which is, you know, what I take the husband's character to sort of be that this guy, you know, basically kept himself out of harm's way and wrapped himself in his title and money and everything and now gets to do everything, like, you know, have everything his way. And then, of course, when there's the, the female rebellion against him, um, he just as easily turns on his wife and doesn't try to save her. And clearly their affection for each other means nothing to either of them. Hey, yeah, I was going to say he turned on her quick. Yeah. Didn't need didn't need much prodding, and like he well, didn't need she, much proof at all either. Like she has a bite on her neck. Like what the fuck? Well, she also she refused. You know, she stopped putting out, and that's all he wanted. As you know, even clearly, and she's like a yeah, sweet naive girl. But she even figured that out. Would she say he's like a, a puppy waiting for his treat or something? He's right, sitting there pouting because she's not spreading her legs for him anymore. You know. <laughs> And once once he couldn't have that, then he was he was over it. <laughs> the the marriage was pretty much done for him. Yeah, pretty exactly much. right. There's uh he made a movie in 1980 with um the uh it's a very lurid title and I'm like at war with whether or not he meant it as a joke or something. But the movie is called The Girl with Golden Panties, and it's about a phalangist, this you know aging fascist who survived the Spanish civil war and has aged into uselessness in his villa. And his niece comes to be his typist as he writes his memoirs. And she just teases this guy relentlessly about what a useless, disgusting old man he is. And it's kind of like, it's, it's blood spattered bride, but it's without implication. It's all just right on the surface finally. So it's the, it's the movie I think he was trying to make and could finally make now that Franco was actually dead. Mm -hmm. Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a shame we did lose that recording. But as far as fashion goes, I think that yeah, the, they're not quite quite as adventurous in the costumes in this one as in uh, well, the main costume. Like, sleeping corpses. That, that's a good costume. No, but they they were kind of more old fashioned garb. You know, in this yeah. one, then in uh, "Let Sleeping Corpses Lie," not sw swinging hip London fashions in this one. No, or, it's true. I think too. It's it's you know we're not we're not necessarily meant to sympathize with either character in quite the same way uh, as we are in "Let Sleeping Corpses Lie," where so it doesn't matter how cool they look. But you're right that Christina Galbo and Ray Lovelock in "Let Sleeping Corpses Lie" are the most stylish characters in film history. And these guys are just kind of, you know, they're they look nice, but you know, it's they they don't hold a candle to the other two. Um, 
but uh, so yeah, I guess you know what were your what were your impressions of this other than it not being the thing you thought it was? Oh, honestly, I I didn't think I was going to like it, and as I said, about halfway in, I was like, this is actually a much more compelling plot than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be just, I guess, for lack of a better term, plotless. And I don't know, I really liked the idea of like, because it was the 70s and second wave feminism and everything, it seemed a lot like it was just women trying to find their own autonomy and telling men to fuck off. I liked that. (laughs) Did you guys watch um, the uh, subtitled or dubbed version of it? Subtitle. Um, Oh, really? Oh, I I watched dubbed. Ooh, I, see, there's the argument right there. Subs over dubs. I always go subs. I didn't see an option, though. I, I watched it on Tubi, and it was dubbed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that had to sound weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had this, that kind of sound like that we talked about the other time with all the spaghetti westerns and stuff, where every, there's these voices, and they're clearly added afterwards, you know, and kind of equalized, but... <laughs> And with a ra- range of accents, you know, <laughs> yeah, not quite the range as le- "Let Sleeping Corpses Lie," but this yeah. also featured uh, not as unlikely a cop, but like uh, a doctor that's more of like a cop, the, the mustachioed guy in this. That's right. I mean, he was a cop, like the, he was pretending to be a doctor, but basically he turns into a detective after a while. And, and whoever was doing his voice was very was I don't know where they got that from, but he's the one that warns husband to watch his back because you know there are three of them and he's the outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that same Three's sort of crowd. patriarchal logic that shows up in so many of these things where he because he doesn't understand what his wife is going through at all, like and because he assumes that it's a bigger problem than just maybe she doesn't like having sex with him anymore. Um, he calls in a doctor to basically observe her, you know, for 12 hours a day. And, uh, and of course, both of them pay for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, like they're trying to find a scientific cause for maybe you're just not that interesting. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. I mean, there were other lead ups. She had a lot of weird hallucinations. She wakes up with the knife under her pillow. That was a really cool dagger, by the way. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it's it's you know very much that thing where it's you know my my wife is acting up. I better solve this uh, with outside help as opposed to you know just like trying to get to the bottom of it yourself. It's it's kind of right out of Cat People, um, which I always appreciate when people uh, reference Val Luton movies because those are still the best all these years later. Um, it's uh, Shutter Island does that same thing. I love that movie too. I haven't seen that in a long time. Good movie, holds up. <laughs> okay, I'm actually trying to figure out uh, Cat People. Is that the one that actually has the David Bowie song in it? Uh, that's the remake. Got that's it. the Paul Schrader remake, which is yes. really, really, really bad. I was yeah, just going to notice good. the parallels. <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, Quentin Tarantino, the first chapter of Kill Bill is uh, called Blood Splattered Bride. Bride. That's right. And then in Inglorious Bastards, he has the song Cat People. Yes, he steals far and wide, our Quentin. Um, Definitely. (laughs) But, 
Yeah, and yeah, kind of like Rob Zombie completely misunderstands the context or the the point of any of these movies. All right, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on on a side note, my my landlord who works on uh, movie projectors was just recently like working on. Uh, Tarantino, I guess, bought a second movie palace somewhere in California, and he's refurbishing it. And my landlord was working on it. He's running around the country right now, setting up 70-millimeter projectors for Oppenheimer, because he's apparently one of the few techs left who works on those. I was hoping you were going to say that Quentin Tarantino bought a zoo. Um, yeah, but, yeah, uh, that was... <laughs> He does a lot of odd things. But what is he going to do? True. He keeps claiming he has one movie left and he's done. So although those people are always liars when they announce, just like you he'll know, find the, la- a loophole. He'll the last farewell. La- we were talking about the Kiss farewell tour. Like yeah, that's right. Th- yeah. Those guys never quit. Uh, they can't. <laughs> their egos won't let them. You know, like <laughs> there's just one. Yeah, if there's one more dollar to be made, Paul Stanley will be there with his makeup on. And I will be there with my money. Ready <laughs> Even to just I, I throw it at him. I I'm, I so respect people that just walk away in time. I don't know. Uh, I, I I wish I wish uh, Lynch, Lynch had stopped with Inland Empire. I think that was the fi- absolute perfect statement. Like fuck you and goodbye to Hollywood. You know, like. I mean, I really liked Twin Peaks: The Return. Did you I watch that? I could I couldn't get through it. Oh, really? I'm talking the big nope. Twin Peaks fan right here. So. I liked the first season of Twin Peaks. Second one was <laughs> terrible. Yes. Yeah. The return, I think I just got so jacked because I realized right away where I was like, oh, my God, they let Lynch off his leash. He's going full Lynch. Yeah, and he did. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did when he made in, Inland Empire. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I mean, that's... Then he that's, made a sh- shitty knockoff TV show of that. Like, you know... <laughs> well, if you didn't get through the whole thing, you can't say that. I mean, how far I tried. I tried. It just, it, it just didn't... I didn't care, and I didn't... Did you make it to episode eight, to be honest? No. I was about to say no. episode eight. Dude, no. awesomeness. No, I, I think I made it about th- two or three. I, could, I couldn't do it. If you want my devotion to watch episode eight, I was in an <laughs> RV outside of Cody, Wyoming, and there was no Wi-Fi except at a 24-hour Walmart. So I actually downloaded it onto my MacBook while wandering around a 24-hour Walmart. No, I was in there. Oh, you were in the Walmart? Okay, that's yeah. better. Yeah, and, you're, like, we were just, like, watching it on your volleyball. phone? <laughs> no, I was just downloading it so then oh, I could yeah. take it back yeah. to the RV and watch it. That was, uh, when, I, when, I, when I was at uh, film school, um, we didn't have Wi-Fi in my apartment, and I used to go to this 24-hour deli that's just this disgusting, mm. like, gro- just truly grotesque, you know, buzzing fluorescent lights kind of a place at all hours of the night and download movies there and then bring them back to my apartment to watch them. And so I'm sitting there just like waiting, watching progress bars going so I can go home and watch Neil Jordan's on Dean or whatever. Mm. <laughs> we ended up buying a volleyball just cause we felt bad <laughs> about stealing uh, their internet. We we're like, eh, okay, we can't just walk out of here. <laughs> I mean, you absolutely could have, I don't think Walmart's yeah. hurting for cash. Especially yeah, in I, that area. It was the only, like, big shopping center in right. that town. <laughs> yeah, when I, was, when I was driving a cab, I would just pull up to, like, Starbucks and not go in and use, the, use their internet, you know? Yeah. Like, when this I needed is... to do stuff on my laptop, I would just pull up as close as I could, you know, and not go in because there's not much in Starbucks that I'd ever want. Uh, 
I'm on that also, train with you now. Yeah. Also, also accessible bathrooms for cab driver are very important. That's true. <laughs> Not all places, though. No, they no. Won't give you the code in some in some instances. No, but if you have a job like cab driving or or delivery, you get really good at finding the accessible bathrooms around a city. <laughs> so <laughs> That's if I ever want to do a road trip, I want to bring Dimitri. Yes. Yeah. They used to. There used to be a pretty reliable network of people on Twitter who would give you bathroom codes in New York Starbucks and <laughs> things like that, which is pretty cool. Oh my God! I really could could have used those people. Yeah, right. will say I have the weakest bladder ever. So. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. How many times, Dimitri, have I had, like, the first time see you be like, I got to run to the bathroom? Right. I thought it was just because you were excited to see me. I know. I was so <laughs> excited. I was about to piss myself. Like, oh, my God, it's Dimitri. That's the typical reaction when people meet me. Yeah, I got to say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Uh. <laughs> Did you have such a reaction to this film? What that like I had you to go to the yourself out of like joy, like oh my god, yes, blood splattered bride, blood splattered. Uh, no, not not really. <laughs> How did you feel about it? It was okay. It had moments. I thought it was too long. It was, I thought it could have lost about half an hour. Ironically, uh, it was only like an hour and forty five minutes, right? Only yeah. that that's nearly two hours. Yeah. Yeah. It. it, it How I think are you could have watch Oppenheimer, Dimitri. I don't know if I will. Uh, I might. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about Oppenheimer. I haven't forgiven uh, Nolan for Tenet yet. So. Oh, I avoided that one. Oof. Yeah, not good. Not good. I mean, it's Inception 2, but like shitty version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, some, he already made that 10, movie. 10,000 times worse, yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, you know, like he didn't need to make it. It's weird. See, it's weird I'm excited. I got tickets to the biggest IMAX in the state. Yay. So that. you're going to see Op and Barbie or whatever yeah. they're calling it? Like the, we do. The, we the, have a double feature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Like, seriously, I'm, it's in Batavia. And in the morning, we're going to see Oppenheimer. Then we're going to grab lunch and chill for a bit and then come back for Barbie. Yeah. There you go. No, I'm, 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 more, I'm more interested in Barbie than Oppenheimer, honestly. Yeah, I wish I, I, good. I, I wish I was more interested in Barbie. I don't know. Margot Robbie? Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I like, you know, speaking of double features, I was reading that this movie tends to be a double feature a lot paired with, uh, oh my God, what is the name of the movie? Red I just remember Mama. Oh, really? Yeah. With what? I, I missed that. What, what's the double feature? What's the other one? Uh, I Dismember Mama. Oh, yeah. okay. It, it's definitely an odd pairing, but I guess I can sort of see it. For drive-in theaters or for grindhouse, like where would it have been a double feet or like Billy Bob Briggs or something? Or I'm imagining grindhouses. Whatever, Billy Joe Bob. Um, they were probably <laughs> bought by the same distributor yeah. in that case. Um, yeah, I just remember Mama is more of a portrait of a psychopath movie than uh, Blood's Better Bride. Um, I mean, I know it definitely has like some weird sexual fantasy things going on in that one too right and i imagine too that the 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 cut that they wound up with in america which was i think closer to 90 minutes uh was pretty much more just like gore and sex heavy in the states than it would have been in uh, in europe where they were cutting all that stuff out <laughs> but uh yeah that's kind of interesting i uh i had not heard that but um 
Mailer did her research this time. <laughs> Very professional. Speaking of which, are, are we d- downloading stuff as we go? Yep. Good. Are you kidding? I have like seven downloads of this already. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think that's what they kind of advise you to do. It's weird that this is the one program that doesn't have the cloud backup. A lot of them do. I was looking for them because I got really pissed at CleanFeed because they sent me a little like shitty message when I like text, like emailed them being like, yo, what the fuck? Why doesn't they oh, have really? this? What, what else would you recommend? Some people were say, saying Zencaster. Yeah, I know I my friend Gil, who does a literary podcast, swears by Zencaster. Zencaster definitely does cloud backup, but uh, I appreciate that. Then, yeah, I think I mean it makes sense as like a if you're a company, you you don't like need all that server space. You know, <laughs> it, it it makes life easier for them. But if you're <coughs> paying for this, then yeah, they should have cloud backup. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, we're we're gonna ditch clean feed. Sure. Oh, you're saying goodbye to clean feed. See, I, I don't I don't use it often enough to pay for it anymore, so I just use the free version. Um, yeah. We're on the clean I, yeah, feed farewell tour right now. Oh, <laughs> bummer. It's 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 been real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just on Jesse Hawkins' podcast, and uh, he uses Zencaster. So there you go. That's, oh, all that's right, two vo- two votes Zencaster. for Zencaster. Yeah. There you all go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Clean feed will be so like what are they talking about us? You know, because we have such <laughs> a huge range of this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say if they're spying on us now, like everybody else is, um, they're probably gonna you know delete this one too, like they did the last one. Exactly. <laughs> those, right. Those douchebags. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much truth we got into this one. Not nearly as much as the <laughs> let the sleeping corpses lie. What was the what was the what was the poetry. thing we were gonna? What was the title of the episode we landed on? I can't remember what the hell it was. <laughs> Oh, let's yeah, Mallory had a... five. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Were... I don't have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call it I am not a Swifty. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I accused you of being a Swifty. <laughs> and I had it in all caps. I was all prepared, Dimitri, to just be like, God damn you. Let sleeping corpses lie. I am not a Swifty. <laughs> <laughs> Accuse my Swifty. Speaking of sleeping corpses, she fucking puts out a record, every, re-records one every other week, doesn't she? Yeah, well, Miss Swift. That is she <laughs> does, yes. Yeah, man. I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand that mo, but then I know that that is a fan base you do not want to fuck with, so I'm not going to complain either. No, no, Ma- Mallory's been assaulted by that fan base bodily, <laughs> in person. <laughs> I have many Swifty relatives. They're scary. (laughs) That's why I try and tell Dimitri, I'm not a Swifty. They don't want me. Look, look, for the amount of time. Ceremonial dagger. I know. Yeah, for just for the amount of airspace we've devoted to Taylor Swift on this podcast, you know, like I would be inclined to disagree. And you're about to marry one, too. Or has he forsworn Taylor Swift as well? I feel like the more we've associated with, like, legit Swifties, even he was just like, oh, we're not there. Yeah. Like, we just like some of her music. Like, not even all of it. Whereas Swifties know, like, everything about that person. Did did you see Cats? No. (laughs) I don't think think that uh, he gets to call himself a true fan unless he's seen her performance in... The truly abysmal Cats movie from a couple of years ago. Oh, the, who's it? Somebody liked that movie. 
I think did our, our friend Cat Sachs like that movie? Somebody liked that movie. There there are people that like that movie. I mean, it would never cross my mind to even attempt to watch it, but I I think I think Cat has better taste than that. Cat Cat likes weird weird mainstream stuff sometimes. No, that's true, but I mean that yeah. movie was a war crime. Really? But you so you sat through it, huh? I did. Uh, Why did you I have? Re- did you have to review it? I reviewed it for the film stage. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man, yeah. Yesterday I got sent to I review plays sometimes for the reader, and this this thing I had to sit through, and I I brought a friend. I felt so bad. <laughs> two two hours it was brutal. <laughs> it felt like I was there for seventeen hours. Man called Otto. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I spared you that atrocity. Speaking of crimes against humanity. As we talk about cats, I'm actually looking at the cast right now. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how do you get was she a main people? was she a main character in Cats? Uh, Taylor she's, it shows she's, her Judy Dench and Idris Elba is the main. She's like Idris Elba's hype man. She's like the Flava Flav to his Chuck D. Um, I, I, I liked her getting run over in the David Russell movie. I certainly that's, see that clip about a thousand times. Um, that's a good movie. Uh, totally bombed, but Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't give that guy any more money. He tried to have sex with his uh, niece. Uh, not a well man. No, no, a lot of them aren't. But <laughs> you're gonna yell at me, Clint Eastwood. You're going to David O. Russell movies. Oh, I, but yeah, but I, I, I don't criticize. I don't care about Clint Eastwood as a person. I don't care about any of them as people. But like, so long as they're out and being allowed to make movies, I'll judge their movies or their art. I, I, I have no problem. You know, delineating the difference, uh, the the art and the artist thing. I mean, we could talk about that all day, but uh, yeah, there there's a th- there's governments that and <laughs> societies that need to punish people that do wrong. But like, the art they make is more than they are. Uh, it's the best of them. You know, even no matter what their flaws. That's how I feel. Uh, so if it's out there, I can judge it on its own, unless it's about their actual, you know, like that's the that's the trouble with so much of the Woody Allen stuff is the the things that his movies are about is is his personal problems, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, like you know, look, I'll, I'll watch Roman Polanski movies, and he's more fucked up than David O. Russell a lot more, you know. Indeed, he is. So. But That's there were true. a few Roman Polanski if, if, films if we, I had on our list of things maybe to watch. <laughs> if, but yeah, you know, if if, if we if we judge, uh, you know, art by the artists that made them, we're we're not going to get to, we're not going to get much good art because. No, I mean, I I agree with you, <laughs> in 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 the broadest outline, and certainly yeah. you know, writing about John no, Ford it, brings it's out totally case by case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. For everybody, yeah, they have to case. make their own Is judgments. That, it, it was easier in the case of somebody like Ford because A, he's dead, and B, was representative <laughs> of uh, a, a series of epoch shifts in culture and, you know, the stuff that he went through and the things that he saw happen and the fact that his entire life was defined by, you know, fear of abandonment, you know, very much. The thing that, that you know, pushed his uh, worst decisions was the fact that he just didn't want to feel left out. Um yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, Roman Polanski justifies a lot of what he does because he survived the Holocaust, but millions of other people survived the Holocaust and didn't rape any girls, you know, like... Yeah. So. Holy shit, did he use that as a justification? 
Uh, his defenders I thought he was do. using more of his, like, no, that he was so traumatized. Th- that and, that and the, of course, the Manson thing. So, yeah, he's got, he's got a bunch of uh, sort of, yeah, excuses or what have you, or people that defend him do, but I, I don't. On a personal level, no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely case by case, but if, if you can't see past the person anymore when you're watching their thing, then you shouldn't be watching it. So if David Russell is, you know, like all you think about is David Russell and him being a shithead, then yeah, you should, you shouldn't bother with his movies, you know? Yeah. That's the, uh, for sure. The conclusion that I came to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Oh, I had, so the reason I asked about, uh, subtitles versus dubbing is what, what do the subtitles say when uh, the two women are, are going to finally kill the husband in the third act and they're trying to stab him on the staircase? Do you remember what the text reads, Mallory? Oh, no. And I'm also shocked <laughs> that you were able to circle back to the original point. Whoa. Yeah, that was like half. No, it's good. That's it's like a half an hour ago. But this is it, it's good to retrace like once we go on the, the the winding road tangent, you know, to sometimes come back. It's fun. Do you the, know what they say? No, I was I was curious because the, <laughs> the dubbed version, uh, they talk about attacking his masculinity. Like, literally, they say... Yes, I remember you know, that line, yeah. Strip him of his manhood and his masculinity. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was very telling and interesting that that was, you know... I think it was very similar. Yeah, where a lot of movies, even Daughters of Darkness or, like, uh, Jose uh, Ramon Larraz's movie, uh, which I think is... Vampires with a Y, um, they hint at the idea that, you know, the vampire represents the sort of end of masculine rule, essentially, the end of uh, the, the patriarchy. But this one pretty much comes out cleanly and says it, which I found very fun and interesting. They're all proto Lorena Bobbitts, basically. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're you know. run around cutting dicks off, yeah. That's it's, it's made pretty clear in Francis Coppola's Dracula, where they where um, one of the vampire uh, harem that Gary Oldman keeps uh, tries to bite Keanu Reeves on his dick. Um, <laughs> I think we covered that one too, did we? We did, yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Love that, that movie. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> that one was a slog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, I remember disliking it when it came out in the theater. Yeah, Dimitri is so meant to be in a movie club with you, Scout. Yeah, evidently, right? We agree well, on so this, much. That would be that would be the most boring movie club ever, where people agreed. Like, what, what, that's not a conversation anymore. I guess that, every that's just club fandom. Needs a Dimitri. Yeah. There you go. Look, I, I like lots of stuff, uh, but like, if I don't like it, I'm not going to pretend I do. Like what, what's what's the fun in that? Yeah, I mean, hell, you've picked movies that I didn't like too. Of course, yeah, yeah. We're all so as it should be. At, which is yeah, you got to rewatch it. Uh, I did. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> it's too close to home. For the, is is my theory on that one? <laughs> no, I don't know. It was just it didn't hit at all or land, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, what was the other one you did? Oh, Food of the Gods, I made you watch. (laughs) 
Scout, you know that movie? Food of I the do. Gods? I do yeah. know Food of the Gods. I have to watch that again. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it since I was about 11 years old. It's, I think it's that's deli- on also. It's, it's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> With, you know. Yeah. It's a very funny thing. I just don't like bugs. <laughs> and rodents and shit. That's hilarious that that's, that that's the that's the criticism where like you want to run a horror movie podcast and you don't like vermin. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very similar then to like that uh, seeing let corpses lie uh, when they have like the sonar thing and you could actually see like the bugs getting all. Oh, the closest to the ants. Oh, that was yeah. the grossest yeah. part. Yeah, that was the grossest part for me. You could have someone decapitated, mutilated, whatever. You throw bugs in there. I'm just like. Ugh. That's so is that the most horrifying part, say, in, like, Blue Velvet, when Dad has his heart attack and he falls into the grass and it's all the bugs <laughs> in there at the beginning? I would Do you remember say that scene? That bugs <laughs> in any horror movie or any movie in general, if they get a little too into bugs, I'm just like, just, just I'm going to cover my eyes and someone tell me when that scene is over. That's good <laughs> to know. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to tuck that away that that's... That's Mallory's kryptonite. It's the bugs. It is. It really is. <laughs> I I have an opposite approach to that stuff, though. Which is I need to like immerse myself in the shit that I'm afraid of when it's like actually a physical thing. Like, obviously, I have a. I mean, I don't know why I said obviously, but I have a. <laughs> I have a. We know crim- you so well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a crippling fear of like death and all that stuff. Um, and it, it, what's, you know, wait, 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 Scott. What's your problem with death? <laughs> you want know some fucked up? See, there, there we are on opposite ends. I've embraced it. It's gonna happen. What are you gonna do? Uh, nothing. That's the horrifying part. Yeah. Oh, you're you're afraid I, of the nothing, the the void. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Are are you guys psyched about the void? I don't I'm, care. I'm I'm so ready. Yeah. Man, Chicago is <laughs> a fucking different place, isn't it? <laughs> That's not Chicago. It's personal, but like, no, I'm I'm just tired. I've been around long enough, but. <laughs> If you want to get to know Dimitri's really hardcore feelings, go on to his letters, yeah. Oh, have you have been, uh, Mallory, have you been reading back through the... the yes. The archive? Yeah. I've well, there's like 500 of them, so you, you can fill up a couple of weeks if you want. <laughs> there's literally 500 newsletters. I, oh, I was hoping it was you have the job that Joaquin Phoenix has in her... Oh my God! I what was love his job? job. I, for- I want that job. What was his job? I forget. He writes like love letters and birthday cards and stuff to people. Oh right, right, right. No, no, no. I, I've I've been writing a newsletter uh, regular like every Monday for like a decade. <laughs> and- it's all about how psyched you are to die. <laughs> yes, every and everyone is about death. Yes. <laughs> and then he'll post just one more to week like till I'm peer reviewed or podcast. Or whatever. <laughs> I write about all kinds terrible. of stuff. Here's a podcast. That's right. I, I write about all kinds of stuff. That's totally unfair. An unfair <laughs> characterization. <laughs> or, no, you know, it's, no, it's they're just, your inner musings about life. They're yeah, kind of... it's like a public diary kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, after I quit social media, that like. That scratches that itch, you know? You missed out on the live journal days. That was before my time. I, I was I was too late for the internet for live journal. Yeah. Live journal was on its way out. would have been weird to have you on it. Oh, yeah? Were you big on live journal, Mallory? Uh, not big on it, but I had one. You weren't a superstar on live journal? 
<laughs> I will say my big ones were uh, Zanga, and then I shot my, MySpace. So yeah, MySpace was when when I show. entered internet, uh, and it wasn't the, quite the beginning of MySpace, but I was yeah, that was the first one I tried. I like just talking about Zanga because so few people actually remember that that was one of the first social media platforms. Scott, what, what was yours? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I try. I, I was never on LiveJournal or Zanga. I read other people's because when you have, like, crushes on girls in high school, that's, you know, you want a window into their mind. Um, right, you're a creeper. That's why Dimitri <laughs> watched or read the book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. As a child? Well, yeah, because I wanted to find out about girls. Like, in whenever that, I mean, I think it was in a, at an age-appropriate time. I don't know. I finally like watched ten, it, by the way. Like good it. Movie. You like it? Yeah, I liked it. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, but uh, no, I was I had AOL Instant Messenger. I had MySpace for the bands that I started, and uh, and then nothing really until Twitter. I don't know what age range you are, but it, it's AIM. I would have guessed that you two are roughly the same age. Am I wrong? I think we learned that you and I are both really bad at guessing ages. Oh, yeah. Should we do this? Should we, should we guess? Okay, well, Dimitri and I know how old we are, so it's your turn, Scout. Tell us how old you think <laughs> we are. I'm going to guess right now with you. I think you might be 35 I'm going to guess with you, 33. Dimitri, I'm going to say 39. <laughs> See? Yes, See, I Dimitri, win. I told you you look like you're in your 30s. Dimitri doesn't thank understand you, thank why you, I thank say you. that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just shy of 53. Okay. And <laughs> I'm just shy of 33. Yeah, you, you, you got Mallory's right on. And, and how old are you, Scott? I get it. I am 34, so you were very oh, close. Oh, yeah, so Ooh, she was really good. close, too. Yeah. Yeah, right. So but, the only one who we can never tell is Dimitri. That's right. Right. And I have no well, excuse, too, because I've met you. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, I'm, I'll, I'll, I will absolutely take that. But that's because the, the way I've arranged my life is not the way a 52-year-old should. <laughs> I don't live, that's one of the, you know, no kids, like... One, yeah, well, you're still one, complaining about Rob Zombie and Clint Eastwood, which is you know that's a young one long game. ago failed marriage, you know. But like none of none of that, the the regular kind of uh, whatever mile markers uh, apply to me. Uh, I I keep living my weird like having my stupid art dreams that I just <laughs> won't let die, you know. Like, <laughs> did your yeah. marriage fail because she ended up being a vampiric lesbian? Damn, how'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> Taylor's oldest time. I know. Did you cut her heart out? I just see you know. I, I wish. No. <laughs> no, we, we're actually friends. It took a few years, but we are friends. Yeah, she lives in San Francisco. She's a database programmer. She's the reason she dragged me into the computer land. She suggested we got together and she suggested that I should have a website at the age of 33, actually. I was going to say, how did someone, like, how did you end up with someone so tech oriented? Wow. We were just in the same friend group. She she was friends with people I knew from the, the art supply store where I worked at. Mm-hmm. And she had moved to Chicago, yeah. Yeah, she was, like, best friends with um, 
the chick who was my manager at Pearl Art and Craft. And then she, and then she was also super good friends with the uh, the lady I lived with last, which was like eight years ago. So there's there's a lot of incestuous shit going on. But as you know, if, if you're in a group of people, like people swap swap in and out. That's, that's how it goes. Indeed, definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, I did. Nobody cut each other's heart out except for you know whatever. Meta- metaphorically. <laughs> I do hate emo- at the end. On an emotional level, not a physical one. <laughs> in Blood Splattered Bride, when they have the cut of man cuts three women's hearts out or whatever the hell. Yeah, the, the ending is, uh, is that the only ending? Like, it was, like like it was super abrupt. Tit, not heart region. Yeah, he was going to c- cut her tit out and then it cuts, off, and then it's off to the, to the headline. And it's like, whoa, it's he was cutting in the ending. wrong area. Yeah, anatomy was not his forte. No. Well, I the think one... too, it's you're going back to the you know the more symbolic thing of of reducing people to their body parts because they were trying to castrate him, and so he goes for the part of them that is representative of the maternal as opposed to you know driving a knife into their heart or whatever it is. Mm. Also, yeah, I guess they they either ran out of budget or ran out of their allotted time, but like. The, the teenage girl helper told, tells him, like, you can't kill them. They're immortal, basically. And then, then we see the newspaper headline, but, like, well, which is it going to be? <laughs> you know? Well, again, you know. Teenage sim- girl is one of my favorite characters, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She, was cute. she was cool. But it's, you know, it's, it's the idea that you can, you can kill these three women because they displease you, but, the, you know, you'll never be actually in charge of, of everybody's uh, autonomy. Ah, okay. I was getting that vibe too. See, messages, Dimitri. Yeah. Themes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 biggest bummer scene for me in this movie is like early on she hallucinates, uh, like stabbing him and and gutting him, and it turns out it's a dream. I was so bummed out that didn't actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, early yeah, on again, before it gave me yeah. dream demon flashbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Where I was just like, eh, it's not real. <laughs> Like, same thing with the rape scene and everything, too. I was just like, yeah, it's not really happening. Yeah. Like, you just tell right away. But I do like her weird reaction of, I don't like this hotel. Yeah, I thought that just was... so simplistic. It was... I she, thought that she, was she, a very, very cool way to handle that, that basically she doesn't freak out. She's not in hysterics. It's just, I don't... Yeah, I don't like this hotel. I thought that was a very, very restrained for a movie of this vintage. Especially she's rejecting she mod- so modernity, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, she is. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, it seems like he's the kind of guy who, like, gets what he wants and everything. And the fact yeah. that he just was like, all right, let's go to my mansion. Right. Like, it's, wow, no fight there. No, it's, I, I've, I found it kind of interesting because it's, 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 it, it, it sort of marked him as sort of halfway to the modern definition of masculinity where... You know, he's he's ostensibly one of the nice ones or whatever, where he's like, oh, no, I'll just do whatever you want without really making an attempt to understand what she's going through or how she's dealing with it. It's, you know, on paper, he's doing the right things and he's doing what I'm sure he thinks are the more liberal and uh, empathetic things. But he doesn't actually fully bring himself to try to understand what she's going through. And then obviously throughout the movie, we realize that he really just wants a sex slave and everything. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know if you remember that one scene where like he was kind of like shoving her around and shit. And oh yeah, no, that's that that the, shit gives me like worse fucking vibes than anything else in the movie. You mean you like, mean the the scene in the woods when he tr- like tries to yeah, her basically yeah yeah. yeah. He, yeah. And he's pushing her around. Yeah, that well, that's where she turns and stops like being into him. Was that scene? That's the big turning point, I think. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say a, that or that cage scene. The cage was pretty wild, and I like too the implication that she sends a bird out with a message, essentially, and then the vampire answers the message um, and comes and helps her. I liked that. That's not actually, you know, it's it's not completely supported by the text. Because it's again symbolic, but it is in there if you if you want it to be. But I like I like the idea that you know he thinks that he's the one who's like thought everything through, but he has not at all. And the more that he tries to sort of convince himself that he's doing the right thing, the worse his behavior gets. And just that thing where it's like, you know, guys have their own definition of flirting or whatever, and when women don't put up with it, it's like, ah, oh, she just doesn't have a sense of humor or whatever. It's like, no, you could just listen. He definitely had it. Like, what? What's the big deal? Right. Just having fun. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very modern. Uh, very like, it, it still feels contemporary, which I I was shocked by. Um, just again, based on how atmospheric and surreal movies of this era tend to feel, especially European horror movies of this period, it was like, wow, yeah, no, all this still kind of applies. I would have liked the one. The one big change I would have made, I think, is to have subbed, you know, Arthur Kennedy's angry cop from the other movie, right? Of course. Instead of the 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 quote unquote doctor detective in this one, he was kind of lame. I thought, like Arthur Kennedy could have done great work with this role. <laughs> I remember gonna... just screaming at people and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> I was going to point out the contrast in this guy, you know, being the husband and everything and just not giving a fuck about yeah. her. And then with that sleeping corpse's lie, total stranger, just being like, all right, I'll help other stranger and right. be protected of you. That's Jorge Grau spoke kind of interestingly about the relationship in Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, where it was like he didn't really understand what he was doing until long after he had done it, where he was like, it took me several viewings to understand that I had made a movie that was like almost a love story, basically, and how m- much sadder it was that they get to the end of the movie where they might actually be able to like have a conversation about it, but it's too late because uh, she's turned into a zombie and she sort of beckons him into the flames with her and he winds up dying anyway. Um, whereas this is about a marriage that's sort of over before it's begun, so it's very much from the opposite uh, tack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let let sleeping corpses lie is like a really awkward first date. Like where yeah, yeah, the blood spattered bride is clearly like a bad bad marriage, a mistake marriage. You know, like it's very true. I thought about like let sleeping corpses lie. I was like, wow, they had a really good meet cute. They did. Yeah, yeah they, should... they had a really epic first date. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't end well, but like that's no, not, it's it, true. It's not, it, but it's not their fault. It was just like the world was fucked up and infected them with. A horrible like zombie disease you know <laughs> like <laughs> like at any time you could have checked out and be like yes you're not worth this trouble right like the fact just... that he's willing to like cross that river and be like i need to find this house for her like yeah i mean he could, he could have fucking avoided the whole thing and stayed and waited for his motorcycle to be fixed or hitched a ride or with somebody who knew how to drive you know like <laughs> right <laughs> somebody who knows how to drive <laughs> 
It was doesn't yeah, it was, crash their Cooper Mini into shit like some people we know. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about that. Like, is is, is it back from the shop yet or not? You know, I'm fucking waiting for the shop to call my ass back. Okay. <laughs> and I live right by the shop, so occasionally I'll like go by it and be like, "There's my Mini. They haven't touched oh, it yet." Oh, still sitting there. Yeah. But I'd like to assert with all the Mini Cooper accidents I've been in, I, I, I didn't cause any of them. I swear to God. None <laughs> of to them take, were my fault. Way to take responsibility. <laughs> well, you're still living your own personal let's leaving corpses lie then because yeah, you're still yeah. waiting for the, the, the call from the car park. Exactly. Um, so I guess that's that's an interesting question too. So when, when I talked to you guys about let's leaving corpses lie on, you know, whatever it was, two days ago, you seemed you seemed hung up on his terrible behavior. Have you warmed to the Ray Lovelock character at all in the intervening forty eight hours? I don't think that I would actually say that like he was a terrible character. I just thought it was funny, like just how willing he was to be very like douchey. Yeah. Like he just kind of was very unabashed and not formal or polite to her at all. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a contrast between the the two leading men. Like you know, Ray Lovelock was kind of like an incel, and this guy's just a straight up rapist. You know, like basically, so two different, mm, two different. I'd say that uh, was an incel. He would definitely wow, he would get strong. laid. I, yeah, I, Ray Lovelock could get it. Yeah, he played, he played impotent characters a whole lot, but uh, yeah, yeah, goddamn, was he handsome? He was very yeah. He rocked that very. Like he seems like a like the, more the kind of guy that would just be into himself, you know. <laughs> he definitely had pretty boy vibes, yes. Yeah, like he liked to admire himself in the mirror, clearly the way he dressed and stuff. So he dressed no, but, with style, but That's no mate could couldn't be seen as was it the cop calls him like long haired. Yeah, I he calls him think. calls him the hard f. Yeah. Is that what we're calling it too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I was just like, yeah, gay slur. But, oh yeah, <laughs> I know that like with the N word we say hey, off hey, now instead, but hey you gay slur. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember showing this movie to a friend of mine and he he like worked himself up into just like a crying fit laughing, imagining Arthur Kennedy working on his accent. Because really the only yeah. thing he changed was instead of saying my, he says me. He says, yeah. wait till I get my hands on him. Wait till I get me hands on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I think, yeah, I think Ray Ray and Arthur would have made a lovely couple, but, like, <laughs> in in that situation. Uh, whereas it, him and uh, Carla would just compare fashion tips. They, they'd, <laughs> you know, they would raid each other's wardrobes, but. <laughs> yeah, but that would be good, too. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a fun dynamic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whereas, yeah, the. The sexual like yeah, dynamic in in uh, Blood Spatter Bride was more 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 kind of traditional. Yeah, more domineering and controlling. Yeah, and yeah. So what she's fleeing into is the opposite of that, but like of the traditional, yeah, patriarchy kind of deal. Like I find it interesting with Let Sleeping Corpses, like how willing he was to like believe like, okay, zombies, yeah. But, like, right. not at first. Like, at first he's like, yeah, you're hallucinating, you're crazy, or whatever. But Right, you're a hysterical woman, yeah. He accepted yeah. it then pretty quickly. And and went miles out of his way to try to help her. And I'll be like, okay, let's go really quickly to the morgue. Let's see if we can see if this right. guy's actually dead or not. 
Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of like in the in the blood spatter ride, the doctor becomes a detective suddenly. At some yeah. point, it switches roles. It's a Ray Lovelock switches from being a guy that just wants to be on his country estate to saving the world. <laughs> For a guy who just wanted to like get away, he was willing to help a lot. Yeah, it's true. He just needed to get those drugs to Sheffield or wherever he was going, but. Uh... <laughs> No, he he actually steps up, which is part of the reason why I like that movie so much. Is you know he's he starts off as such an unlikable presence, and becomes more heroic every uh, every time he learns some new development. Um, I, mean, I like to the first oh, sorry, thing I immediately was just like that. That would be the most jolting moment in that movie for me was when he was just like, "Okay, you're driving me. I, I'll I'll take the wheel." Right. Like he just right. went into her car. Like what? Yep. Yeah, very, very, very European, very uh, 70s definition of what you could get away with back then. So speaking of Spanish horror movies, uh, Scout, have you seen a movie called Arrebato? Oh, sure, of course. Uh, from yeah. 1979. I, I just thought of it because Criterion had it. Re- I think it was Criterion or... Yes, yes. Some place had it. I watched it. There was a, there was a new it. restoration, yeah. And yeah, there's a lot... A lot more artsy than any of this, but like a lot of uh, sort of pairing the the horror and the drug addiction thing is full very much. Yeah, Yeah. and that's an interesting case too because that was after you know the Franco regime or whatever, so you could be a little more uh, late seventies. Yeah, yeah, seventy nine. Yeah, Ivan Zulueta was almost more of a Hodorowskian figure uh, where he was more content to sort of like hug the uh, avant-garde side of the railing as opposed to a lot of his peers. Um, yeah, that, that was definitely wouldn't have done well in the, in the grindhouse or drive-in that movie, no, you know, but close, I don't know but, what, uh, definitely an art house kind of geared film. But, I mean, you know, again, hints at how multifaceted uh, the Spanish cinema was uh, and the, um, the, 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 the many different kinds of talent that you could attract in, like, horror-adjacent and that kind of, you know, scuzzier, you know, uh, <clears throat> percussive kind of cinema where it was like, it was a little like New York in the eighties kind of sort of where mm. a lot of people were obsessed with the same kinds of, uh, uh thematic obsessions. Um, but, uh, it came out in many different forms. I had, <laughs> I had another question that I was going to ask, but I completely forgot what it was. It'll come um, back to you. Yeah, it'll come <laughs> back. Yeah. Do you guys edit out awkward pauses or you keep them in? I could, if you want, I mean, it doesn't matter. To me no, Ma- Mallory only cuts out when I go on some, some like diatribe about somebody she's worried whose opinion matters. I don't know. I actually haven't <laughs> been editing those out lately. Oh no. Oh good. Have you stopped <laughs> listening to our own podcast? I listen to most of them, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you yeah, catch what you can catch. Yeah. 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 Roxanne Gay is still invited to be a guest whenever. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't care about making fun of Roxanne Gay now. <laughs> That's good. It took a while. <laughs> My theory is if I could stand up to the Swifties, I could stand up to the Roxanne game. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's your, you survived the, whatever, the, the stampede of Swifties. <laughs> Basically. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Speaking of horror movies, that that whole the whole Swifty phenomenon is just horrifying. I was in the I was in the South Loop when she invaded Soldier Field, and it was like, it was just like a, I don't know, a disaster area, garbage everywhere, over there. Yeah, my nieces went to both shows. Oh, really? And they wow. showed videos, and I was like, dear God. I feel like the battle was less about getting the tickets and more about, like, trying to get out of the field. Yeah. Like, they were showing me, like, videos and everything of them having to, like, hop over fences and everything, and I was like, oh, Running yeah. across Lakeshore Drive. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody should remake The Warriors, but about leaving a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, now apparently so this is not a Taylor Swift podcast. <laughs> now that they're having the same problem with the tickets in Europe as they had in America, apparently, I just saw a blip about that yesterday. Yep, was seeing that all over Twitter. Yes, I still go on Twitter, Dimitri. You, you're not on Zuck Talk yet. I'm <laughs> on Threads as well. How's that? Are I you enjoying no that? Idea. I mean, is there anything going on on that? I mean, is, is it, it different? It seems like people are just posting the same stuff that they post on Twitter. So they just they just do it like the way you know you can whatever auto I'm just cross like, platform post stuff. I'm gonna say I'm doing that. I'm just you taking are. everything on Twitter and then posting it on Threads and Facebook all at once and being like, we'll see what catches. Who cares? Threads book, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It did. It didn't. I read a, a little bit about it. It didn't tempt me much. You know, like, yeah, I went on that uh, Mastodon for two seconds and deleted it within within twelve hours. I think. Well, that was just weird to use. Yeah. Where Threads is basically Twitter, but I don't know. It looks yeah, it's fake very Twitter, odd. right? Yeah. I mean, that's why Musk is trying to sue him or whatever. I'm kind of disappointed, though, with the idea of a lawsuit. I was looking forward to more of the cage match. Are they still doing that, or did they, they call that did off? You know, did, did you not know that they were going to do a cage match, Dimitri? No. Why, why would I know that? Would have been good. Would've Elon been good. Musk challenged Mark Zuckerberg to a cage match, and Zuckerberg accepted. It seemed like it was going to happen, and like they've actually been training, but Elon Musk's mother intervened. I don't know if this is This is just like blood spatter pride. Right, it's it's you like know, basically kinda. they they're fated to end up together. Like, why aren't they just in the in the same uh, in the same coffin, like naked? You know, like together. <laughs> Neither one of them are good-looking men, but I I no. don't know. I have no desire to see yeah. any nudity of Elon Musk. <laughs> well, for each other, no, I don't want to see any of it. But like, I wish they get on this, you know, on a SpaceX ship and leave the rest of us alone. You know. I think Mark Zuckerberg is going to want to find his own ship. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, no. I'm. I. I. I try. I try to limit exposure to any of their their gallivanting, running around. But Scout, do you do you have a favorite social net? Do you have one that you use regularly? I mean, I'm still on Twitter technically and Instagram, but I haven't joined anything new. I'm hoping that they just like shutter Twitter, that they just close it, so that I I never have to go back. I'm not signing up for anything new because I I already like I'm not nearly as productive as I want to be, and a lot of it is because I know I can just like click on a thing and scroll for a couple of minutes. Um, do you do so that uh, the the letterboxed? I do, yeah. Which yeah. is do you yeah, like that? 
I like it okay. I mean, you know, it's it's mostly that stuff is more for me to keep track of all the my own things. You know, like I still have a, a movie account. Um, so in rating those things, it's more of a record of like, when did you see this? And so that I can kind of keep that stuff straight if I need to. Um, and so I just use them basically for the same thing, but also I tended to get the occasional job when, you know, you go on Letterboxd and log that you've seen something. So somebody's like, oh, you've seen this. Do you want to write about it? I mean, that doesn't happen as much these days, but it used to be a thing. Huh. Sounds like it's a cool thing. I just, I have a letterbox. I just don't look at it much. I mean, there's already just, there's just so many ways to distract yourself. It's, it's difficult to keep up with all of them. I mean, I'll say the one platform I go on a lot, but I'm not active on it at all, is TikTok. I like scrolling. I was hoping you were going to say 4chan. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that is so not fitting towards somebody like me. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie in my mind. For, yeah, all that, yeah. You start hearing no, about all I, that four chan shit. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mal- Mallory's huge on Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, Caught I can't me. do any of that shit either. I'm yes. huge into the red pill or whatever the fuck they say. <sighs> Lord. <laughs> but we know that several of our main characters in these movies, which I'm now just going to call this episode double feature. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this classic grind ha- in grindhouse, like style. Like yes, we have exactly a double right. feature. We have the the one the first phantom thing that people can't really hear the full thing because it's dead. It, it was killed. Well, we could just like keep but, alluding to the shit. We yeah, said. yeah, yeah. Of course, as we have. Yeah. Um, Should we recount the plot of Let's Leave the Corpses Lie too? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in Let's Leave the Corpses Lie, Jorge uh, <laughs> Grau. A, uh, an antiques dealer and drug dealer leaves Manchester for the countryside, has his motorcycle backed into by the charming Christina Galbo, and rather than wait around for a part, he agrees to drive her to her sister's place, where her sister's preparing to kick heroin. But before they can get there, a zombie has killed her husband. And so then it is up to them to explain to the local constabulary that uh, it is not a Satanist conspiracy, but rather the work of the undead. Um, and the more that they uh, uncover, the harder it comes becomes to uh, convince anybody that uh, this is a conspiracy of the undead instead of just them being Mansonites. And it's uh, it's also got a <coughs> healthy dose healthy dose of environmentalism running through it because it turns out that the thing causing zombies is a sort of gamma ray that causes uh, unformed nervous systems to attack. Uh, anything in the vicinity and it works on insects and it works on babies and it works on the recently deceased I will also throw before they jump to Satanism they immediately think it's heroin that's true yes that she gets super heroin strength and And uh, I appreciate when she's about to shoot up how she just drops a needle and runs but like her arm is still like out of her like sweater and shit yeah like, I was like, okay, yeah, you actually have immediacy. In a lot of really shitty horror movies, you'd stop and, like, put your sweater fully on. Put your clothes back on, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is a fairly convincing portrait of somebody coming apart at the seams. Now, of the and two movies, what did you guys like better? 
they're they're hard they're hard hard to compare. They're they're pretty different. They are very different. That's why I was kind of shocked that like the, this one was thrown as an option, other than the fact that they're both Spanish. Yeah, made by Spanish directors uh, at a period where they were used to uh, innuendo as opposed to overt statements of uh, political allegiance. Um, and it's funny too that um, Vicente Aranda became much more of a valedictory figure in Spanish cinema to the point where he was invited to participate in the uh, 100-year Lumiere Brothers Experiment movie, uh, along with David Lynch um, and Jacques Van Dormel and other uh, beloved figures of world cinema in 1995. Um, And Jorge Grau sort of stayed a, uh, a more... Uh, marginal figure in Spanish cinema. He never really reached the same highs as somebody like Aranda or Carlos Saura or uh, um, even somebody like Pere Portabella, who, despite being an avant-garde filmmaker, I think sort of rose to an interesting stature in uh, Catalan cinema. But anyway, um, I think I have to go with Let's See Your Slide just because I have a longer history with it. I saw it when I was younger, and it really made an impression on me, and I just love the... uh, the feeling of that movie. I love the atmosphere. I love the music and I love the sound design. Um, I really like what's better. Brian, I think I liked it even more this time uh, than when I saw it initially. But uh, again, I think the fashion wins out and the sort of hints, hints of romanticism as opposed to the death of romanticism, which happens in what's better. Brian. Yeah. I think the, yeah, for me, like the, there's more to chew on in uh, let's sleeping corpses lie more, more to talk about. Whereas, I guess the blood spatter bride made me think of other versions of this kind of, if not straight up from Carmilla, but like stuff like vampire lovers and daughters of darkness, you know? Sure. Uh, I guess it, it didn't feel quite as, as particular and the, 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 uh, kind of the, yeah the sexual politics and stuff of it was kind of more cookie cutter you know than there's kind of less to to debate you know i was going to say similarly that with uh blood splattered bride as you just said it doesn't seem to add anything new to vampire canon and it's something that we've definitely like i just kept comparing it to other movies while watching it sure where let sleeping corpses lie like that just felt like a very new kind of zombie movie to me yeah i did like the invert the, the the thing with the inverted rings that was a cool touch and that one was an interesting for, one but they kept all all the girls would adopt uh carmilla's way of wearing the rings in, on the inside can't express yeah. how painful that would be though just as someone who wears rings yeah, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be, wouldn't be fun. But it's, yeah, it's, but that's just like a little light masochism to throw in to spice the shit up a little bit. But it's also it's a cool gesture because it's a way to hint at something malevolent, you know, through a fairly simple dis, uh, choice in in you know art direction, um, which again is is sort of the the mo of movies like this uh, is hinting at something through deceptively simple decisions i mean that's Um, that's the most that's the thing that'll probably stick with me like i'll probably forget a lot of stuff that happened in this movie i'll i will remember the you know the the four four rings worn inside that way because i hadn't seen that before you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) 
I'll also remember, obviously, the way they died. I've never actually seen anyone try and kill vampires by just shooting. By shooting, by shooting, shooting up. The, 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 yeah. Until, like, you see and, the blood spewing out. And then checking inside to see how, how well you've done. I was impressed how intact her tits were after all that shooting. <laughs> hey, tits are resilient, you know. Says two people who don't have them. Well... I, I didn't say a thing. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Dimitri. Fa- a fan from weight. I'm just a big fan. That's all. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. They're not that resilient. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you, you think they would have they would have been shot off like so that was an inaccurate part of this film? I'm saying there would be more. <laughs> not factually correct. <laughs> carnage going what, on. What the fuck was he even shooting at? I mean, like he's shooting from across the room. Like, what the fuck was he doing? <laughs> I would say like he should have been standing over and shooting down. You would think, but yeah. He backed far away, and it looked like he was like shooting. How did he hit the top of the coffin, based off of where he was standing and aiming? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we, we got to call up Snopes or whatever, like, factually fact check this. Get some Mythbusters <laughs> out on this shit. Yeah. Like, can you kill a vampire this way? <laughs> yeah, they, both of these movies did, like, sort of have novel approaches to, like, the rules of vampires and zombies. Like, we, we talked a little bit about the, the, the zombies, like, uh, sleeping corpses lie are more aggressive and than the average zombie and can't be killed by shooting them in the head. You can only have a flamethrower and set them on fire. That's a that's a that's an innovation. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it, that. Yeah, it makes things more upsetting when you have to find you know new and odd ways to kill things. Because you're and you have to you them. have to you have to kill your future girlfriend <laughs> and set her right. on fire. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just as just as things are getting good, it just as you're really vibing and, and connecting, and then you have to kill her. That's yeah, a bummer. Just as you're just as you're getting over yourself. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember the fucking metaphor. I remember what the fuck it was. It was oh. uh, we were talking about Spain. Spain is a fascist. We work. That's what it was. Oh, because, I know, we said that yesterday, yeah, not yesterday, yeah. the day before. The day before. <laughs> In the mythical first recording that no nobody, nobody will, ever this will believe, God. They'll, they'll think it's just like a comedy routine we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little believe you me, um, there, there was a, a, whatever, an hour and a half, two hour recording that nobody will ever hear, <laughs> filled, filled with startling insights and controversy and all kinds yeah, we of really shit. we really we really took it all apart and put it back together but uh yeah this the most groundbreaking know. episode we had all that <laughs> lost, all that lost clint eastwood uh that's right dis- discourse that that, that the world will eastwood. is robbed of yeah <laughs> and us talking about uh, what our favorite horror movies were and shit oh yeah that's right nobody will ever know hey i'll volunteer texas chainsaw massacre dimitri Whenever Have you gotten I gotten the answer, no, I, I think Scout asked what my favorite movie was. Like it wasn't even horror movie. That, well, that now we're asking your favorite horror movie because your favorite you you didn't you, you didn't say favorite, but you said perfect. It was Andrei Rublev. Um, Andrei Rublev, yeah, Tarkovsky's Andrei Rublev. Yeah, a great um, answer. But yeah, what's uh, your favorite horror movie, motherfucker? Uh, <laughs> yikes! 
See, the problem that happens is I hear favorite or list and my mind just goes blank. Uh, oof. It, it's tough. I, I don't know. They're, they're all different. We'll sit here and wait. <laughs> what what's what's yours? Do you I have just a favorite? Texas Chase no, Master. Scout. Oh, oh um, not you. Ouch. <laughs> Damn. No, no Scout. <laughs> you get a host of this guy every week. Um, I'm tempted to say Dawn of the Dead, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, but uh, Texas Chainsaw's right up there. Obviously, I wrote I wrote I wrote the book. I wrote the book on Toby Hooper, yeah. so I got to No, I love I mean, I love both of those. I I, I would endorse either of those for sure. Uh yeah. Okay. We'll accept your non-answer. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna yeah I'm just a follower and not a leader on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Do we feel like there's anything else we really need to say about these very fun movies? I don't know. Yeah. It's, just have we guy. have we done we we haven't done many Spanish films. I don't know if we've done any Spanish films up to up to now. No. Uh, which not is from fun. Spain. That we did yeah. a double feature, yeah. We've done, def- like, films in Spanish, but not, not from Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend that everybody listening seek out uh, as many uh, horror films from Spain uh, uh, from before the death of uh, Franco in 1975 because there are just so many great innovations made in, you know, generic templates because people were trying to talk around the issue of fascism because uh, if they had confronted it head on, they would have been, uh, the movies would have been taken away from them and they probably would have been thrown in jail. But um, there's just an incredible, incredible tradition of uh, anti-fascist horror movies from this period that I find fascinating. So I recommend everybody seek out as many Spanish films from between 19... 39 and uh, 1975 as you can. I dig that. I will. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a solid recommendation. That's that's probably a good place to to leave off, right? Yeah, right? I think so, yeah. I think we covered we did it. We we, we did solved it. All the issues. No power has gone out. Wouldn't it be funny if it just happened right now? Right now. Did you ha, have you downloaded more do you have 17 version I have like, so many copies. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I the good thing you is like you can, 15, you can throw 30, yeah. yeah, you can throw all the old ones away once you make sure the last one works, you know. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool. And who's uh who's picking next? Are are you ne- I think you're next. Yeah, Mallory. I'm next. I originally was going to do Pope's Exorcist and then I watched it and I did not like it. So <laughs> So you you you're sparing me that 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 trauma. Yeah. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to watch that one. That's it. Does have like it. it does have one of the best um, closing uh, uh, chirons of all time, though. Yeah. Yeah, but what does it say? Thing with what like does it say at the end? I'm not going to watch it. So you... and shit. I was just like, God damn, the devil hates jokes. Like what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what does it say at the end? So the closing. The closing titles say you know <laughs> that that Father Amorth or whatever went on to write many books about his travails as an exorcist all across the world and then it pauses for a minute and then another title comes up and it says the books were good. Yeah. Oh. 
Well, I mean, that's fucking good. Everybody's that's just going to run out and fill fill their Amazon queue with all it, those books. I'm sure. Absolutely, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely a different take on an Exorcist movie, but that's they were treating it kind of like a. It was it had a very '90s feel, which I liked about it. Um, I like that guy Julius Avery. Did you guys see Overlord from a couple of years ago? No. Oh. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's the Dirty Dozen, but with zombies. Well, it just sounds fun then. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a, a riot. I love that movie a lot. I'm adding that to my must-watch list. See, I'm going to add that to the list to annoy Boo. Good, yeah, to, to counteract the, the, the sentimental slob. The Cider House <laughs> rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are you going to choose instead of the, uh, instead of the, what are Russell Crowe, Battle Dome or whatever the fuck it was. I have a whole thing for that horror cast. Let's see. <laughs> you have a list? Checking yeah. it twice. Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, I was thinking uh, The Possession. What's that? The Possession? Yeah, it's From on 2012? Amazon. Yeah. That was fun. Because we already did Possession. but <laughs> This is another one. Different Possession, yeah. It's uh, Modest Yahoo is in that movie. In one. the the possession, the really? possession, yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, Miles have you Young seen that? Plays an exorcist. Uh, Mallory, have you seen this one before? Or? Yeah, and I found it interesting. I liked it. It was either going to be that or uh, Parasite nineteen eighty two. What what's Parasite nineteen eighty two? That's what the internet is for, Dimitri. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't have that technology yet. Yes, we're having you. Being out through satellite phone or whatever the hell your generation yeah, does. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm on a, yeah, like a little generator out in the desert here. It's an early Charles Band film, Parasite. Yeah, I will say it, it definitely goes against my fears, and I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, they create oh, flesh-eating parasites capable of wiping out the human race. Oh, okay. So my That's, vote is yeah. for... The Possession, but... The Possession. Okay, well, The Possession it is. It's your choice, so that's what we're going with. All right. Sweet. Well, Scout, thanks Thanks for... Uh, thanks for having me twice. Co- yeah, yeah. Very oh. fun. Yep. Oh, we'll have to do that again. <laughs> Hell yeah. With the whole power outage and everything, yes. That's exactly... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. All right. See if Bye. we if we'd recorded yesterday, we could have recorded through a tornado, but like, no, we missed out on that. I couldn't do that. My power went out yesterday. That's oh, we why. did. Well, yeah, you're pretty close to O'Hare where it touched down. Yeah. Although I really have to say, I was, I was watching Twister yesterday, and I was like, God damn, those <laughs> sirens! Like this is really great sound effects, and I was like, Oh no! Uh, you, you were just randomly watching Twister on the day. There I was- know. See, That's I purposely, funny. when you said that you were free yesterday, I immediately looked at the weather, and I was just like, ah, fuck, it's going to rain. I'm not risking it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we captured this, whatever this magic in a bottle that we got here. That's right. <laughs> exactly. All, All right. right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.